Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I do introduce the piece. Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hello and welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name is Sarah Morgan. Hello. Uh, my guest this episode is the writer Ian Martin. Uh, you may know him from The Thick of It, uh, Veep, Death of Stalin, and the wonderful Hartley Paul Spy, which was on Radio 4. Oh, thanks. Is it still on iPlayer? No, of course it's not on iPlayer. No, mm. it was on It was on for a, a month after Christmas. Right. And then it disappeared. Like, well, everything else disappears. Sure, of course it does, because there's no, no demand for things. Why not just, and it's like internet's finite, so why, you know, you've really I got know. to watch that space. I know. Uh, I loved radio. I loved doing that radio thing. It was really great. It cost mm. peanuts. Everyone, everyone, everyone's feet. I mean, the cast were amazing. They're very sought after, and they took a, a nothing e fee to do it. And then, and you did two two days recording in mm. Maida Vale. Everybody there loves it. They're not doing it for the money. It's yeah. something really special. I think it was. It was it nearly was as special as podcasts. But, I mean, if I had to, if there was a, <laughs> if there was a chat, I put podcasts right. Podcasts right at the top. I love the way you say podcast. Yeah. Um, with radio just below it, and then you know like saying- Netflix. <laughs> Then, then the BBC and proper telly, yeah, <laughs> then all proper forms of entertainment. Then who knows what? So I'm thinking it. So you know, I think it's a neural implant or something. Mm. You'd have. Well, um, so I always ask my guests to bring in uh, three fears: a fear from their childhood, their favourite scary moment from film or TV, and a fear or phobia they live with now. But before we talk about those, I just want to talk to you. Um, I'm just really happy you're here. Hi, Ian. I'm happy you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here as a person who. It really does not understand yeah. podcasts. Like now, I'm talking now, you right? Keep to you keep acting like there's a trap's going to no, happen. No, no, like something it's, bad's going to happen. It will. Uh, the, it's like um, a Japanese game show. It's going like to fall away. Yeah, the furniture's going to collapse or something. <laughs> but I'm also, I don't know what the protocol is. Right, like right now, I'm talking. Yeah. But I, am I making eye contact? I'm I'd mostly like, not, am I? Am I, I supposed to be doing that? Am I, I supposed to be talking to you like this or like this? Have you ever done a radio interview before or anything? Like, like if you want to look, I'm happy to lock you dead but in the But it's fine arm. not, it's fine but not it's to. But it's fine not to. It's like talking in the house, but as long as you, as long as you know that the eye contact is there to have, yeah. I don't have to look at you. If it's easier to not look at me while you're talking, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I literally do not know what I'm saying. You seem quite happy to be so I'm, far outside your comfort zone. I'm 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 all right. <laughs> I'm all right. We're going for lunch after this, yeah, right? Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's fine. This is what you do before lunch. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. If, if you can do an impossible thing before breakfast, hang on, I've got that wrong, haven't I? Yeah. 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 If you can have an impossible breakfast before your first gig of before the day, a mediocre then podcast, you can brilliant. call yourself a man, my son. That's it. I think is Kipl- that- <laughs> Kipling, who once said. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, yes. Yes, it's exi- everything you're saying. Great to be here. Uh, 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 
Great Big Owl, is it? Yes! <laughs> well done. Great Big Owl, You're Joel and Jason's thing, isn't it? Oh, it's so beautiful. The, the, the way you say podcast and podcast network and Great Big Owl, it's like a, a hula hoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a stranger in a strange land in the world of podcasting and Big Owls and whatnot. I'm so happy you, you trust me enough to just do this. I do, of course. But, and yeah. I mean, the, the thing I don't get about podcasts, as mm. I keep saying, is that it's just us talking, right? It's, yeah. we could, we could, this could be happening in a pub. Yes. And we could be just talking bollocks mm-hmm. for an hour or so. Yeah. And then, and then, and then you go on the internet and listen to, to it, it all again. Yeah. It's like it's mental. Yeah, but you could describe that as most good radio or most good. T- I don't know. No, no, because no. most good radio is is severely curated and yeah. written and edited. That's I m- promise you, this is edited. All right. I'm going to drop in some hilarious sound effect here now. So that, that, yeah, this is this is this is edited. <coughs> I will. <laughs> You're confusing it with Derek and Clive. <laughs> oh, now, there's, now there's an aspiration. It's Derek and Clive. There's an okay. It's Derek, fucking that's, podcasting up. is Derek and Clive. Great, gotcha. Right, excellent. It's a fanzine. It's a fan. It's sniffing fucking glue. Fucking Boris Johnson. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, that's what a podcast is. Um, so, what are you up to at the moment? How are you? Well, fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm alive, which is a plus. Yes. Every year is a we bonus. We are all Every, I'm more, more grateful than you, <laughs> well, Sarah. Yeah, well, that's reasonable. Uh, I think that's fair. And we've just wrapped on um, season one of uh, Avenue 5, which is a uh, new HBO space comedy. Amazing. How's that been? Oh, you had a fire. Good. You had a fire on set. We did, yeah. We How had was a that? fire How just was that? as we were about to do... Um, some of Ep 8 and yeah. Eps 9 and 10. Oy. So quite a lot of Ep 9 is set below decks. Smart. Uh, yeah. So did you have to do like a <laughs> massive amount of rewriting? There was, there was some rewriting. Yeah. And you know what? It was it was fun. It was everyone, everyone comes alive, you know. But also, also it gives you the chance to, like, because you had to split them up. And so there were like two-handers. So just people talking to one another about mm-hmm. Shit, you know, and somehow it gets you can get intimate really quickly, and I don't know. It mm. felt really good. I think it's going to be really good. I think um, Thank Hugh Laurie's brilliant. You know, <sighs> amazing. Yeah, he does take a uniform well. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Gone quite swoony. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. I'll show you a picture later. He's yes, please. Proper tasty. Yeah, oh, I love that he's just he's grown into himself, hasn't he? I mean, he was always lovely, but now he's now he's like a bit of something for the mums, isn't he? <laughs> He is, he is, but I mean, he remains the same. I mean, you know, you're working with a comedy legend. He's mm. not just, you know, he's a writer. He's a comedy writer. Yeah. And, does yeah. he chip in much? Or Yeah, he does, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, tickle my ring piece, I think, with his. <laughs> he has a lot of these kind of quasi-nautical phrases as the captain, you know, and I think that was that was one of his alts. Oh, fantastic. No, he's great. I think there's a... Because there's a sort of the myth around Ian Martin is that you were sort of discovered on a street corner by Amanda Iannucci chowing swear words at pigeons, and because you were the swearing consultant on the thick of it and those kind of things, and and obviously 
I know and anyone who's read your longer writing knows that you're an amazing writer. And I would, yeah, tell me about how you sort of got to this point in your, your career up until now. Well, I mean, you say standing on a corner shouting. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was working week after week with my brother on a satirical exactly. website. Exactly. Yeah. You actually, Sarah. No, I, I, uh, what it, I'm know, saying is Putting that's in the, the graft, putting in the hours yeah, week after week, exactly. grinding it out. What are we doing this for? It's all pointless, is it? Let's have another drink. Why not? Um, but it was fun. Did it with my brother and um, someone sent him a link. There were like 12 people. I used to go down to the cellars, which is where we worked, and check how many people had visited, mm. you know, the visitor numbers. Yeah. And it was like 12 wow. or 15. And then uh, Arm, Arm started subscribing to the newsletter and he started listening. Mm. And we had, so we thought, we thought, A, this is amazing. Mm. B, it's a joke. It's not mm -hmm. really him. Uh, but also, now he likes it, everyone's going to like yeah. it. And it didn't. Nobody, <laughs> nobody else did. It was just uh, some some randoms on the internet what was and the, him. What was the website? Called Martian FM. Martian FM. Um, and uh, actually, one of the things we did was um, uh, this thing called Hansard Late, which is sort of um, a procedural thing, mm. you know, the, the um, House of Commons rolling out live reports sort of thing. It's a word I'm looking for, right at my arse. Um, and with, but with lots of swearing. And the mm. speaker at the time was Michael Martin, who was this big, fat Scottish guy. Yeah. And there was something about Scottish mm. that takes swearing really well, I think. It's something to do mm. with the cadence and the, and the, and the, and the swagger of yeah. the voice, you know. So, yeah, you like that. And then uh, it was this big, it was a mythological thing. Yeah. I mean, everybody wrote swears. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I did more than swears, but I mean, it, I didn't mind. I mean, it was it was true to the extent that I was t I was asked mm. to to sprinkle some sweary shit mm. on the like first couple of eps, and it went well, and, and so on. Yeah, marzipan dill. That was the first one. <laughs> I changed the line and said he's used. He's fucking useless too. He's useless. He's as useless as a marzipan, <laughs> fucking marzipan dildo. I can't remember that. Anyway, yeah, marzipan dildo. That was my way in. Yeah. My I, entree. I, there's so many, and I won't just, like, list off your favorite. My, my favorite one of yours is Clip War. Oh, Clip War. Yeah, you used that once or twice. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, as a, yeah, as a clit owner, back, right? it's, a, it's so visceral. As a clit as, owner. As a clit owner, as a proud clit owner. As a clit owner. driver. As a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's auto cruise. <laughs> it's a, it's it's not a body part that gets referenced very often, let alone in let alone watered, let alone watered, yeah, bespangled with wart. Yeah, uh, it's um, so I, and it's it's just it's just horror. It's taking something nice and making it all. I mean, I love how pissed off you get with shit compounds wearing on Twitter. Oh my god, well the wank puffins and everything. Oh, and the what fucking a cock wombles and dreary, dreary bastard portmanteau. <laughs> Fucking wankers. I hate all that yeah. shit. Shit Gibbon is just about <laughs> acceptable only because Quantic did it, as he keeps telling everybody. Well, it's <laughs> the thing is, I think it's, it is, if you work backwards, is there some logic to it? Shit Gibbon makes sense. Yeah, you can imagine a Gibbon throwing it shit. There's a visual or someone gibbering almost. There's, there's a, a logic. There's, there's an, an internal logic. logic. Yeah. There's no internal logic about putting a spangle yeah. cunt or something, <laughs> yeah. um, which I've seen, I'm sure. Really? They think that they think they can, they can put an interesting sounding word with a swear word mm. and make it something other than, the, you know, the some of its parts mm. and it never works because they're assholes. yes it's it, it's 
<laughs> I'm not even and I, joking. I like that you didn't even waste a beautiful portmanteau word on them. It's like, no, just assholes. Oh, uh, I should have yeah. called them some cum spangled <laughs> fucking <laughs> wank like, shoot. There's, a, there's almost a logic of like nice thing and bad thing, like clip wall or marzipan dildo or, you know, but it's, it's, it's not that. It's the, vi- it's the visual picture. Yeah. So you, you've yeah. Got, if you, I mean, what's a wank puffin? Mm. There's no internal logic at all to that portmanteau word whatsoever. No. A wank puffin is a puffin used for to wank. I mean, it's, yeah. these, you know, I'm sorry to sound so harsh. No, I think it's, these it's a hill to, to be hunted down gassed, and gassed yeah, yeah, like yeah. badgers. <laughs> like wank badgers. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Like cunt badgers. The cunt yeah. badgers. No, that's yeah. even worse. Legend. That's yeah. Properly reaching for it. Oh, is that Avenue Five? Yeah, it's an Avenue you got five some Avenue Five swag. I've got some. Sh- I've got some rap. Shwa- rap swag. Shwa- rap swag. Yes, very nice. I've got my uh, Avenue Five uh, reusable coffee cup. Oh, my Avenue Five T-shirt. Amazing. It's a bit, I'm a guard. You are, you're fully embedded. And you're like, um, you wrote an article in 2016 talking about being what an amazing writer you are, not just at coming up with like swear words, but uh, actually your Actual sentences. I can write. You can string can, a sentence together. I can join Lovely. sentences together <laughs> in long of all bats. You know your way around a word or two, don't yeah. you, love? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the... Um, uh, the, oh, the one where the one where I was going, yeah, fuck you, I'm still alive. That that's one. What, the 2016 article. I think it is just called "Fuck You, I'm Still Alive." No, hang on, <laughs> it's called. Um, yeah, 2016 was jinxed by karmic voodoo, but I never thought I'd live to see it. And it was a piece in the Guardian, and the gist of it was, uh, you uh, were not expect you were not healthy, and you were not expecting to no, see in that year. I got cancer, and, yeah. and, and in answer to the obvious question, which was in 2006, mm. the consultant said between three months mm. and 10 years. So the worst case scenario was that mm. I'd be dead by Christmas yeah. in 2006, which would have been a shame because um, the time since then has been brilliantly yeah. productive. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't have done half the things. Well, I was reading some, something by Updike who was t- talking about how we wake up each morning and the, as a new person, and the person we were yesterday was dead. So it's all this kind of mm. the shedding your past self as ancestors. Wow, I've actually gone podcast too early. I've podcast too early. I'm like, you cast I've, your pods. I've cast my pods too early. I've got all serious. You know, it's a good, good light and breezy, light and breezy. No, that's the opposite. Uh, Hot and yeah. <laughs> heavy, he- heavy, heavy and solemn. Heavy and static. Heavy and heavy and muggy. Yeah, heavy. If you could go heavy and muggy as much as possible. Okay. I, I mean, I'm an old man. I'm I'm 66 now, and uh, I love getting old and. Um, Really, that's all you can yeah. say. What's about. the alternative? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But you wrote this beautiful article about how 2016, for most people, was the, was a terrible year um, because of things like David Bowie and Prince dying and Victoria Wood dying and referendum, and, uh, referendum Trump. and Trump. Yeah, and it was a pretty shit year all round. It was a pretty shit year. How do you feel now, having twenty nineteen? Well, Sarah, I'm really glad I didn't die in two thousand sixteen. Oh God, no! Yeah, I mean, and yeah. also in two thousand seventeen, <laughs> and I stay rem- and I remained alive in two thousand eighteen, and here we are, nearly three quarters of the way through two thousand nineteen, and I haven't died. I was, I meant the news uh, things you were referring to. Oh yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah. in twenty nineteen, twenty sixteen, it felt like things couldn't possibly get any worse. 
and <laughs> oh, I don't. I, I have to disagree. I think that I think 2016 yeah. showed us just how shit things might get. Right. I think that was the, that was the fear. If you're yeah. talking about fears, I'm talking about fear. with the fear of the future, and yeah. I think everyone has that now. Yeah. Now as a kind of a, a low level anxiety, don't they? I think absolutely. Unless they're idiots. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I can't. I can't. Uh, yeah. How? how uh, yeah, it's more like what is your coping strategy seems to be the question to everyone rather than like... Fatalism, yeah. I think. Yeah. Fatalism is a coping strategy mm. and everyone now has it. We're resigned. I mean, I think I am now almost, I don't mm. know, what, 80% resigned to uh, no deal Brexit just because I think uh, everyone's spent now and everyone's just, mm. and everyone's just fatalistically accepting that uh, we're gonna, you better get this out before we don't have mm. Brexit because otherwise I'm going to sound really stupid, aren't I? No, this will be out before. Um, perfect, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or we, or we, or we don't crash out, yeah. which would be great, also. But it doesn't alter the fear that you have now in advance of whatever it is happening. If you told me in 2016 that Donald Trump would be president and in, and king of Israel inside <laughs> three years, I would have laughed you out of the fucking room. I yeah. mean, it's it, the reality is just has gone rogue. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's a really, really fascinating article um, because I love your response to all this stuff is a slight sort of sense of guilty uh, embarrassment that you're so fucking happy yeah. when you write it, uh, that you're, there's a picture of you at the Emmys collecting your Emmy for Veep, there's a picture of you with your grandkids, uh, and, and at the end you just, you're, you're slightly sort of embarrassed going like, um, oh, I need to check my privilege and it's massive but I'm really happy at the moment as if as yeah. if happiness is something we're supposed to not be allowed to have at this stage in history well but actually it's probably the most important thing well you know what it's like I mean yeah. we're both working at the moment and a lot yeah. of people aren't and a lot of people well, yeah. are suffering from this appalling government and austerity mm. and all the rest of it and you do feel grateful that you're a alive and b yeah of course solvent yeah you know it's a massive thing yeah, the and but weirdly being in, do you get this feeling like you know we both work in sort of satirical fields a mm. lot? Um, I can't do it anymore. I can't do the giggling into the sea thing. I feel too guilty. I feel like it's the Peter Cookland, isn't it? That you know, satire sending us giggling into the sea, um, and that's how it feels at the moment. Like if I write a joke about someone's hairdo, am I am I uh, you know enabling? or normalising an actual fucking... I don't know. No. I mean, I, this is, I mean, every six months, yeah. a new person at The Guardian mm. emails me to say, Hi, Ian, I know you I've just been appointed, you know, and um, um, I just have to decide, do you think satire's dead? Oh, uh, God, yeah. You know, and it's that mm. all the time. And, you, and, you, and, and actually once I said... No, I don't think satire's dead, but what what might be dead Mm. is people commissioning pieces Mm. that say, (laughs) that ask the question, is satire dead? And there was this half-beat and she said... Is that is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Would you could you would you write something? Crazy. And, you said, and I said, do you want you want me to write a piece that asks the question? Are are pieces like the one you're about to read <laughs> about the end of satire? Do they? Is that means it's the end of satire because of this piece talking about the end of satire? It's just all disappearing up its arse. 
Oh, yeah. And it's complete separate reality to actual but stuff. That's, that's what I mean. The actual separation from actual real life. Like, the, the, that, that's what satire is now. It's not, I mean, satire's not dead. Satire's, like, booming. Go on Twitter. It's, like, 600 fucking yeah. lol one-liners about yeah. Boris Johnson's haircut or Donald Trump said a funny thing or done a mis- misspelling Well, or this something. is the problem, because that's not satire. Well, I think the idea that you, you you say, oh, he's just a bin, you know, bin bag of giblets with a Brian Jones wig on or whatever, <laughs> and that's not... That's, that's Really I, just, felt the, I felt the disdain in your voice going, of course I can write these. I just choose not to. <laughs> well, that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> no, I'm just, I just think, you know, oh, my God, look, the, 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 the caging children in America. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to do is give a double teapot to ice on Twitter. And yeah. you get a sense that, oh, that's done. Yeah. No, and that's I'll tell, you what the, I'll tell you what the turning point was. Mm. I, I remember discussing this remotely with Kath Viner, the editor of The Guardian, about the the, the drowned boy on the mm-hmm. on the beach, which was such a, an unseeable picture, mm-hmm. um, yet was on the front pages of um, newspapers. I yeah. felt wildly against that because you're not going to get anything worse than that, really, I don't think. And I, but I, that's the thing. How how numb do we have to get to stuff? I think we're all kind, yeah. we're all, we're all kind of... Social media has brutalised us all. My mate bought a toaster. We go through celebrities' Amazon purchase histories so you don't have to. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly novelty key ring. Yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love that. The G-spot. <laughs> the good vibrations, guys. <laughs> Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I bought that quite a lot of times. I think. Right, okay. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, oh, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of great apps up now, and new ones dropping every Monday. That's my mate bought a toaster from Great Big Al. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You said two brilliant things for your uh, film or TV fair. What did I say? You said... Uh, oh, I know. Well, I really one know. of them was Don't Look Now, which I'd like to come back to, but the other thing was The Skeletons from Jason and the Argonauts. I was talking about this with Arm last night. We went to a prom, we did, went to a prom like, yeah. like people, cultured people. And I was talking <laughs> about the... Yeah, I was 10 when it came out, 63. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I went to the cinema with my Uncle Derek probably mm. to, to see it. 
And it was terrifying. I mean, they were just coming out of the ground, right? You remember you remember the bit? The, yeah, the yeah, skeleton, yeah. Fucking hell. It. And they're, ske- they're skeletons, yeah. right? They're reanimated skeletons mm-hmm. with swords and sh- shields and whatever. And he sort of defeats them, but then they come back again. Mm. And then something happens. You remember how it ends? I mean, the point is they're there and they look horrible, wicked skeletons. Yeah. And that I, once you've seen that, you never look at a skeleton the same way again, do you? It's all, it always looks malicious. Well, they grin. That's the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, they look, they look wicked. They look, mm. they look genuinely wicked mm. and fucking scary. And then he jumps off the cliff mm. at the end into the sea. Yeah. And then, and then in the script, that's, you know, that end of scene, right? Yeah, he swims away. He swims yeah. away. Well, what happens to the skeletons? <laughs> they don't drown, do they? They just come out of the fucking earth, right? So now they're, they're not dead, are they? Because they can't drown. They haven't got fucking lungs or anything. They're just bones with holding swords, grinning. They're in the sea somewhere. So now they're still under the sea. Yeah. And they're just waiting for you. Margate or somewhere, or Hastings, you know. <laughs> You'll be out for a paddle. <laughs> You'll be out for a paddle one day and a fucking thing comes at you with a sword. A bunch of claymation skeletons come at you. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it's the logic of stuff like that, really, the lo- when there's a monster logic problem, it can absolutely. Yeah. They, they, it was the same with Game of Thrones. There was a whole thing in Game of Thrones that they couldn't traverse water. The you know the, the monsters we've been. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a whole thing that they couldn't. Tra- so why didn't they all just go to an island for a bit? Why didn't the people who come from islands stay there? Why did they all get big ships and do you stuff? Know, don't start picking at the. You oh, know, no, I know, unravel. I know, because you become like the an thing, internet nerd. The, and, what yeah. I'm saying is, I mean, now I'm detaching yeah. the 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 the, mm. the non logic of the plot mm. and the absurdity of the scene. Yeah. From the, it's just the spectacle when you're 10 it's just it doesn't matter what happens to them you know yeah. that the hero's going to be alright in the end yeah. they just look terrifying yeah and are you how are you around uh, skeletons and that, and that kind of thing I mean I don't you know if I go into a lab <laughs> with a white coat on which I do, obviously <laughs> you know not not that often yeah. these days and there's and there's a human skeleton. Oh, what a there. weird question that was. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, if I see a if I see a skeleton and there's no one around, I will punch it. But uh, what's the point? They, I'm see what happens. They're going to fear it. You think, are they? <laughs> so, you, what were you like as a as a ten year old? You were, you know, did you see this at the cinema? Obnoxious. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can you remember how you felt afterwards? Uh, probably great. If it was with Uncle Derry, I probably felt really great because he would have, you know. <laughs> give me a fag or something. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had a smoke and gone to the pub or something. In 1963. It's yeah. a different time. I know. It was a different time, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember if I've seen it with my grandchildren. Yeah. Because I've seen it with my children, I mm. think. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I think it would be much, much too scary for Iris, my granddaughter. Yeah. But my nine-year-old grandson would probably love it, wouldn't he? Perhaps he's seen it with his dad. He watches all that stuff. It's interesting because the stuff, because we're so, because the visual effect is the, the I'm going to say claymation. I don't know. It's not mm. claymation. And please don't write in nerds because I don't care. Now, if you made it with CGI, it would just look a bit shit. Well, in fact, we saw Pirates of the Caribbean had a lot of Did it? Similar... I've, never seen a, I've never seen a single Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, they're fine. I mean, for, for a film based on a fairground ride. But they're still scary, right? The skeletons? Yeah. I mean, but I think it's the CGI-ness of everything. CGI monsters always feel so safe to me. So seeing something that's clearly a computer, you think there's no, nothing's out of control with it. It's not going to suddenly break the fourth wall or spiral into madness. It's Mm. always going to be someone clicking a mouse and 
doing that no matter how realistic it gets. Well, but that, then that might be my eyes as a as a person of my age. Well, that thing, I mean, that thing you touched on about uh, breaking the wall mm. uh, and, and having this the, the whole reality tilted mm. reminds me of. Can I talk about the TV Absolutely. thing? Absolutely. Let's do this. Around. TV. There was this TV that. thing, yeah. and I've I have hunted it down without yeah. success. I don't know what the fuck it was. But it haunts me to this day. It was a, like a public information film. And it was it was clearly, the message was clearly, don't put X in, you know, don't leave your bins out in the road or don't put your tripe in the gutter or your coal in the bath or whatever it, whatever it was. And it was, a, it was, a, it was a, like a dinner party, sort of, I don't know, like just, it wasn't a dinner party, I don't know, it was four adults around a table. And they'd finished eating, people smoking, and the hostess started scraping the plates into the sideboard and um, she was carrying on talking, and it absolutely terrified me because there was the there was the human adult world you'd learn to trust and believe was going to be conducted in some kind of logical. Mm. And then it was it was just a terrifying normalcy of it, you know. She was just doing it as and it absolutely fucking killed me. I, I'm trying to track it down. Yeah, I've, I've, I don't know. When you sent this to me, I have I have sent out to a few people who might be able to help because I was fascinated I absolutely wrote this beautiful description of it that scared the shit out of me and I've never seen it and I don't know what it's for and it's yeah it just sounds I, I, and I can absolutely envisage the watching that as a kid and going Horrible. this completely normal yeah thing is happening and uh, um, but it's wrong and it's yeah. mad and they're a, a, somehow a, a accommodating it yeah. in their lives and it's not it's not mad behaviour but it is demonstrably mad yeah if, Really frightened me. Um, yeah, I'm, well, if anyone is listening and knows what this uh, might oh be for, God, we love would to know. love to know. We're I would to love to know what it was. It would be something really stupid, wouldn't it? Like, don't forget your, don't forget your car tax, or you know, <laughs> don't forget. I don't know what. Well, don't smoke in bed. I mean, that was an easy one, wasn't it? Don't smoke in bed. It was. That's the thing about all public information films. Then they come up a lot on this show because I think they absolutely tap into something as a child being made to feel guilty for something you didn't realise was a problem mm. I mean Jason Hazley when he was on had this it was absolutely terrified of an advert for um, uh, it was for for, for grain um, uh, grain silos oh yeah uh, and it had a doll a child's doll being dropped into a grain silo and being crushed and mangled like a doll he was a child yeah. he's never operated a grain silo yeah. it's not ever something that's going to affect him but what... the terror of the getting in trouble for that and it's something to, it's, it is something to do with public infa- mm. information fields and it wasn't just in the in the 60s and 70s mm. I remember when our kids were growing up so they were 79, 81 they were born mm. so it's uh, in the 80s and we all watched EastEnders mm. as, a, yeah. as a family you know it was a thing we did uh, and and then they started putting those AIDS adverts yeah. on Don't Die of Ignorance there's, and, and it was that that was that kind of you know end of the world voice going you know there is a terrible disease mm-hmm. stalking the world coming for us so, you know it was genuinely yeah. terrifying you want that just before EastEnders thanks mm. 
But they were absolutely terrified. To be fair, I was I was prime age for those adverts. I was I was your kid's age watching EastEnders, and I did never fucked without a condom, and I never tried heroin, and I never did any of the things ever, 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 ever. That isn't that it runs through me like a stick of rock. Right. Don't get AIDS. Don't get AIDS. And yeah. if I, like, like whatever I, you do, I am a good girl because like, I was eight then, and by, so it went in. It went in at the age it should have done, and I and and now it's like it was, a bit, it was yeah. so rushed that whole that yeah. that whole. That whole age thing was so rushed that people that had in workplaces were given were, were shown charts mm. that basically. Uh, tr- I remember talking to a secretary and I was working in a, a, a architectural magazine, and she was she was blaming the gays yeah. because there was a line going from gays to dead babies on this chart at work, and it really fucked the whole. Gay movement, yeah. gay liberation movement. Absolutely, out, people. Out. Well, it was the gay plague, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. It was um, all wrapped up with uh, Section Twenty Eight, and and when there were people protesting about that, there was the police wearing yellow rubber gloves because they thought they were going to. They wanted whether they thought they were going to catch AIDS off the gay protesters or whether they wanted to imply that there was something infectious well, also, about the gay protest. Also, there was that, you know, it, it, yeah. it was it, it was perfectly normal. It seems incredible mm. now. It's perfectly normal for the uh, head of um, uh, Yorkshire Constabulary or whatever, you mm. know, the big, the big guy, the top cop, mm. the top cop in Yorkshire saying, you know, this is God's punishment. Yeah. For, for uh, what the fuck? Yeah. And so it, it's, it's really weird how in my lifetime uh, and in this, in the, like, that feels so old fashioned. The idea that the, the age of consent wasn't equal, the idea that uh, yeah, equal I, marriage wasn't insane, the thing. Insane, right? And now, yet, that's all, all that stuff's coming back around again. There's slowly those rights that we thought they, we just normalised on that front. Yeah. And now they're slowly being chipped away again. And there's, you know, yeah. coming over from America, it's really odd. That that's as if you know people are desperate to find something to blame all the horrors of the world. Well, they could say, and, I mean, yeah, and they can yeah. now again. Yeah. They can now again say, yeah. and and the and, and the age of accountability is over. I mm. mean, there are no press, there are no press briefings at the White House, and yeah. if they are, if there are any, you know, he, he controls what what comes out of his. Well, he doesn't control it. But I mean, <laughs> you know, he won't answer the questions he doesn't want to answer. He won't have at the press briefing the reporters that he doesn't want there, and so on. And he's and he's and Johnson's doing the same. Everyone's doing the same now. They're just making up their own fucking rules. Yeah, it's horrible. Yes, there are. No grown-ups. That's 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 my fear. And there are literally oh, grown-ups going to come in in a minute. Nope. <laughs> and kill the king of Israel. <laughs> that's quite biblical, isn't it? I have come to slay the king of Israel in the White House. Oh God! Yeah. How do we get back to the present? Let's go back to the past where things were much less awful. Oh, uh, you say so that. Good. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I was going to say great why fan of nostalgia. I mean, yeah, I, let's I, not I, be I mean, romantic at all. Yeah. I mean, I did a thing recently about Bob, the Bob Dylan thing, '69, mm. and spent a long time sort of, you know, remembering the smells of the time. And it's all right that little paddle in, yeah, in nostalgia. But you know, things are much better for me now yeah. than they were when I was 10 yeah I think <laughs> I loved your um, uh, when we were talking about what you were scared of as a kid and you said that uh, you had a well you said abandonment but I think that's a generic hardwired survival brain circuit thing right I think it is isn't it I mean you yeah. I, I'm not I can't think of a 
child that hasn't, ha- you know, yeah. I think we all, ha- all have that abandonment fear, don't yeah, we? That, you absolutely. Know, that, that has no logic. Why would my mum just not <laughs> come and find me? You know, why would my nan just go the, out the back way of the ladies? Climb out the window. Come yeah. Through, but I, she was taking a long time. Mm. When I was about four, she parked me there, you know. Mm. I don't know if I don't know if there's any triggered it, but I mean, no, I don't think that's that's not a unique sense of, mm. of fear. No, not it? at all. No, no, not at all. I think I think that's what's so uh, uh, so interesting about it. It's so hardwired. And you said the permanent fear I had was that grown-ups could turn nasty or go mad, and they weren't really in control a lot of the time. Yeah, which harkens back to what we were saying. No. Yeah, yeah, that they can turn on a six, start putting dinner in the sideboard for no reason. That, all that stuff. Yeah. I, I had. Um, did I mention it? The uh, my granddad. My 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 granddad, who, who on one hand was a great trade unionist, mm. was a shop steward, and um, had worked his way up through the union. He started off at Associated Dairies, ASDA. Uh, when it was just dairies. Ah, ah see. Oh, yeah, Anti dairies, carpenter, shop steward. On the one hand, he was that. Yeah. And on the other hand, he was a fucking racist, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, my nan had to, had to wash her hands if she'd taken change from a from a Afro-Caribbean bus conductor. Mm. Was, and he mm. gave me a, a bob, I think he gave me a shilling for my birthday once when I was young. And he counted out 12 pennies and I just put them in my pocket. And he said, no, you've got to take them out and count them. And in case I've cheated you, and I remember thinking at the time, it's just fucking. This is a this is a fucking weird birthday present, you know. It's a it's a it's a gift, some kind of knowledge that he's giving me that mm. everyone's a bastard, and everyone will try and do me if they if they can. Jesus so I had to count Christ. the ten pennies yeah. to make sure he hadn't cheated me out of my full birthday. But you know, the adult world was mad. Mm. The only saying the only saying being in that world was Tommy the milkman's horse so he was reliable I used to feed the milkman's horse Tommy who was your hero growing up then who did you admire when I was like four yeah. well yeah um, who did you look um, up to um, the, the guy with the the guy with the animal on his head what's he called <laughs> not Hawkeye Davy the, um, Crockett yeah that's the one that's yeah. Davy Crockett <laughs> yeah yeah he was fucking cool he had this like Mink hat or something <laughs> with a proper tail and everything, and a gun. Yeah, that's it. Done. Sorted. That's right. It. That's all you want. That's all you want. Yeah. Do you, do you, is that still an aspiration? Not really. <laughs> not really. I mean, I do wear a hat occasionally in the winter, but it's not it's like you know, it's not an animal, and I don't really like guns. <laughs> Who's your hero now? Uh, Who'd you look up to? Who's going to save us? <laughs> hero now? Oh my yeah. god! I don't know. Uh, I quite like the stubbornness of Dennis Skinner, but he's going to be dead soon, so that's not. But yeah, okay. No, isn't that the isn't that the um, isn't that the prime criterion for hero? Heroes have to be dead. I think. Is it? I think so. Yeah. The whole point about oh, being a sense. hero is that they have to be dead. So, you know, Tony Ben. Right. Fantastic. Tony Ben, say, let's say yeah. he's dead. Who else is dead and good? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've never heard that. I thought that was saints. They have to be dead and done two miracles. Well, obviously, yeah, they have to. Saints have to be dead because they yeah. have to be consecrated or whatever yeah. by the sprinkling of the thing. But, uh, <laughs> but no, heroes. Heroes have to die. I think. Right. Not sure if they have That's to so die romantic. in the in the cause for which they're heroically right. striving, or whether they just die in their bed and had done brilliant so, things. Yeah. I think you'll find, Sarah, that yeah. heroes have to be dead. Sure. I, think I will. I when will. we look this up on the internet. I'll take your word for it. 
we'll, uh, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do cool. your we'll do your last thing if that's all right. My my what thing? Your last choice, your wild card fear, your fear you live with. Uh, again, Which I loved when you said this to me. You said, "Has anyone done this before?" And I was like, "No one's done this before." But it's not. A, it, on the one hand, it's not a big thing because I think everyone has. It's nothing. Okay, it's a fear of nothing. Not just nothing, but nothingness. And it's the um, it's the idea that all all life, all this, everything. Or creation really is like is an act of defiance mm. against the void, against nothing. Mm. Everything, everything in space is a kind of thing that's willed into existence, and it's all tangled up with faith and everything. But there's a, there's um, I haven't got it now. I wrote it down somewhere. Did you? Yeah, John. Yeah, what is it right? the thing? No, is that the John thing? Uh, John's Gospel, yeah. Yeah, you, you read it. Cause I, oh, okay. Um, I've got such a lovely speaking voice. Uh, well, you're doing the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the podcast. You're In the first bits of John, one of the most, this is what you said to me. Right. And I think this is actually beautiful, and I'm going to read that. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, being you, you started it like some actual fucking twerp. I did a course in <laughs> New Testament Greek in my late 40s. Yeah, I did as well. We did the first bit of John, one of the most poetic and mystical bits of the Bible, certainly in the King James Version anyway. John's Gospel starts, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You see, the darkness not comprehending mm. this light... It's basically the thing, I mean, everybody says, you know, religion or faith is a way of of uh, defending yourself against that darkness. Mm-hmm. So if there's nothing, you know, if if, if nothing happens, you, you die and that's it, you'll mulch uh, and all this is just, all this is just, uh, you know, some existential experience and that there is nothing out there, all that stuff, and I accept that. I accept that faith, it, to a certain extent, is a comfort and a, and a kind of um, barricade against that nothingness, you know. But it's the nothingness mm. itself that scares me. Yeah, I was doing quite a lot of acid in the early seventies. My mate, my with the worst person possible, <laughs> which is my best mate at the time, who was was a poet and a, a bit of a lunatic. And he would just say things when we were tripping balls, you know. And he said, the thing you have to remember, Ian, is that uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus nothing. God. Oh, nothing to be Don't afraid be of. Don't be afraid of nothing. <laughs> and it, I, 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 obviously, I mean, obviously, uh, in, in a general ambient sense, you know, I'm afraid of nothing. But in that particular moment, the terrifying moment that seemed to last for yeah. about 16 years... Uh, yeah, that was that was that was I'm quite terrifying. I'm afraid of nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the, nothing to be afraid of. There's yeah. The, there is always that to be afraid of. Yeah, it's 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 the the idea of the kind of. Um, I, it's interesting that you said that faith is a comfort. Yeah, I think we're. I mean, the idea that there's something we don't know about or I don't know about is so comforting. 
at the moment in particular that someone's going to go, oh, actually, scientists are doing this whole thing you didn't know about. It's with kelp, and it means everything's going to be fine. You're like, yeah. oh, okay, great. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, they just desalinated <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yeah. We're all right. Yeah, yeah. Some, there'll be some some uh, like left hand that I'm way too thick to know about that someone will just go, oh, no, we fixed it all now. Yeah. We've got the... Yeah, the icebergs <laughs> melted, yeah. and there's the switch. There's yeah. a secret switch <laughs> yeah. that we didn't notice in level one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, John Updike, who's a, uh, I love John mm. Updike, and uh, who was a writer, and he said he says each day we wake slightly altered, and the person we were yesterday is dead. So why one could say be afraid of death when death comes all the time? And he's talking about how if you if each day is a new self, then all the previous selves are like ancestors of mm. yourself, and. You know, it happens to everyone, so just you know, suck it up. And, and, uh, <laughs> but he, but he, he mentioned something about writing, which I thought yeah. you'd be interested in. Mm. He says, writing is an addiction, an illusory release, a presumptuous taming of reality, a way of expressing lightly the unbearable. That we age and leave behind this litter of dead, unrecoverable selves is both unbearable and the commonest thing in the world. It happens to everybody. In the morning light, one can write breezily without slight acceleration of one's pulse about what one cannot contemplate in the dark without turning in panic to God. In the dark, one truly feels that immense sliding, that turning of the vast earth into darkness and eternal cold, taking with it all the furniture and scenery and the bright distractions and warm touches of our lives. Even the barest earthly facts are unbearably heavy, weighted as they are with our personal death, writing in making the world light, in codifying, distorting, prettifying, verbalising it, approaches blasphemy oh oh, yeah. oh i love that yeah, i love good. the idea that it's blasphemy yeah that 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 writing makes things lighter and therefore an illusory and, and yeah. And yeah because i the the things that you write on and i think the thing what they do so beautifully is they they take the darkness stalin politics they, these and they you very cleverly find a way of making them lighter without in any way taking the horror of the thing you're talking it's about and weird. it's with language and it's with storytelling it's not yeah. just a, it's not just a physical act of writing it's the act mm. of it's the act of imagining mm. um a scene for example in the death of stalin uh there was a, a, a scene i wrote in which the, the clearly lovely stammering guy who mm. gives uh, Beria the, the news and yeah. he said, oh, you know, I'll see you later. Mm. And we see him later being led away. Mm. Well, there was a scene in which he was um, tortured and uh, horribly and with, you know, with references to his family and so on. And um, it was genuinely horrible to write because you had to imagine it and imagine what mm. the person behind the torture was doing so uh, and we cut it we cut a lot of the, the right. heavy, heavy stuff from the film and it made it better it was much lighter on its feet I thought but I, I, it's still in my head I'm, yeah it's, I was gonna say, it's that harder actually once you've gone through the process of writing that and knowing it sort it, of wasn't it, even part of it no I mean no is you, that writing for you yeah broadcast you, or yeah, yeah, the process yeah I mean, I say it's still in my head. I mean, mm. I got I got rid of, I dumped it. I, I, I dumped the scene more or less as as written. Right. A little bit worse actually in a in a screenplay for for something else. Oh, interesting. So so sort of got rid of it, but it's still I've still it's ghost this ghost of yeah. the horror in my in my head, and uh, it's not just people think of writers as people who just sit and, and tap at. 
mm. keys on a on a machine, you know, and it's not that, is it? No, it's it's. I, 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 the thing is, if you're, it's the concept of it being a, a job and it being who you are. And there's there are people who are writers who isn't in the, isn't their job, and there's people who are jobbing writers who aren't driving themselves slowly mad in mm. the same way that a lot of us are. Yeah, but it's <laughs> up here. Going. I mean, it's up here. Yeah. He, yeah. I'm indicating my brain. Yes. Um, it's. It, I mean, it's up here uh, where it all happens. Mm. Where the where the magic and the tragedy and the horror blasphemy. happen. The blasphemy happen. Mm. Yeah. Yes, the people. I mean, I just it, gets, it pisses me off. You know, just write a book. <laughs> okay, just sit down and write yeah. a book. You know, like Shining, isn't it? You know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's all. Yeah, you just write it. Just write it. Fuck off. Uh, he had a point with the axe. I thought. You know. The, with the oh yeah oh, yeah the, que- the question you dare question my <laughs> you, dare, you dare question my calling as a writer. Tyrone was so fucking noisy. <laughs> yeah, but, but also, do we not? In a way, we're all looking for that kind of like beautiful writers retreat up in the mountains to go and write our novel in. And as soon as we go oh. there, you realise you've taken yourself on holiday. I don't like oh that. I don't like that thing. I like um, sometimes. Sometimes it's nice. It's nice to go somewhere quiet and. and mm. Um, I mean, I'm. I've got a week. I've got a week. We're having a weekend. We're having a weekend away. The missus and I. Mm. This 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 coming weekend. And I've, I've said I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do any writing. Mm. And that's slightly terrifying. But and I'm just going to read a book. I'm just going. I'm just yeah. going to read a book and which is the, writing. Sit in the sun. Is it? Is yeah, because it, it's sitting in the sun. Is that writing? Sitting in the drinking. Yeah, is that yeah, writing? Yeah, it's stoking. Right. Every, everything is stoking the boiler, isn't it? Tell me more about your mental preparation for for writing. Sarah. Mine? Yeah, yours. I don't have my uh, sitting. Uh, I, you wake up. There's the abyss. Yeah, have a stare in it. Have a stare uh, in the abyss. A big, is, big we. Don't you listen to Work Bitch by Britney Spears and uh, yeah yeah <laughs> someone, someone else mentioned that the other day that was what I was yeah, was we, it you we, no it was someone on a thread we were on and I must find them and credit them because that was the funny like there was someone did a, a thread that was like yeah. how do you start your writing day and everyone was like oh chamomile tea and a walk and a, I feed the ducks and I do yoga and uh, it might and, be Helen Lewis or Sarah, Sarah Dyson I might have to look it up yeah. uh, but yeah someone said they listened to Britney Spears Work Bitch and I'm like I'm now doing that from now on yeah. It just feels. I think. I think mostly my work day starts with with clearing the decks for all the other people I write for. I'm not going. Probably not going to keep this in the podcast now. Um, and then we'll, trying to avoid the thing I know I should be writing, which is the the the, the thing that will be the thing that makes my career yeah. <laughs> good and be personal and meaningful and all that stuff. Because there's just too much. It's too much. What's your writing process, Ian Martin? Well, it depends. My my, fav- my favorite thing to do in all the world, my absolute favorite thing to do, is alting sides. Sides are the alts. Oh, side- oh, oh my god! Oh. I mean, sides. Sides, listeners, are um, the bits of the script issued to actors on the day. So it's basically what you shoot on the day. But you get the sides maybe one two days in advance, and then you what you do is you get up at like half past four in the morning. <laughs> In the dark. This is if you're working for Americans, I presume. Well, it, no. I no, mean, this is I, just I, your I, process. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be okay. doing that on back uh, shortly, oh, just doing alting sides. Yeah. And I, I do the same thing because then yeah. you finish by 9, 10, or you finish before 12 mm. and you've done a day's work by mid morning. There's nothing like that feeling. Also, I was talking about this last night. I mean, the thing about alts is because you've got, it's not a linear thing because mm. they're shooting 
disparate scenes that are that are separated from one another. You each scene is kind of revealed just in isolation, and you make, mm. sometimes you can see an angle that you might not have seen before. I love all that. But also, it's, it's the work. Someone's already done the work. All oh, you're doing absolutely. is making it better. Absolutely. And also, there's a list. You've got like ten jokes, twenty jokes to make better. Yeah. So already the joke was fine because it's been because so there's no panic. There's no blank page panic. And then it's fine. And then once you've got to the list of the end of twenty jokes, and you're pretty certain you've done your job, you finished writing. Yeah. It's the never knowing when you finish writing is the horror. It's I agree. So and alting sides is, is the perfect thing. Mm. Because you, it, you're right. It is great for America mm. because then you can get up almost at a normal time. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like getting up early and working, but yeah. you can get up at a normal time. And if they're in LA, if you if you file by two p.m. Mm. right, it's the start mm. of the day. So um, yeah, I love that. I love all that. I used to do that with Veep. I love all that. And do you, do you work differently when it comes to the kind of uh, work that's like your name, yeah. your project? Yeah, I do what you do. I do what we all do, which yeah. is to sort of think about it, convince myself that the thinking about it is actually writing. Yeah. Convince myself. Sarah, that the the going for a walk and retreating to the woods, or having mm. a coffee, or having a bath, or sleeping mm. is somehow contributing to the thing yeah. uh, until it's too late to do anything else and just write the fucker yeah. and just hope it's okay. Yeah, really. Do you like writing? I love it. I mean, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, I think I I think I would go mad. If if I didn't write, yeah. I'm rewriting that John thing. I'm rewriting the whole. Yes, tell me about this. You said oh, you're rewriting well, the Bible. Well, you know, you, you, you're talking about what the thing you want to do, mm. and um, I mean, I don't. I, why not? I, you know, okay. The thing, the thing that I want to do that's at the back of my head is to write something called the pension book or something like that, which is just okay. This is me saying goodbye, and you know, these are the things I've learned, yeah. and um, mm. it's rather sort of you know, in a rather haughty. A haughty, sort of condescending, patronising way, you know, and I just, I just think there's, there's so many parallels between the shit that Dawkins says and the shit that the Pope says. Yes, there's so many things. They're actually saying the same things a lot of time. And when I was doing that wanky course in New Testament Greek, it was great because you, you. Because you understood the way what they're writing about. They're writing about Jesus, who was this kind of scouser. He came from <laughs> Nazareth, and he was like this. Oh, don't you don't want to trust him? He's a scouser, you know. And yeah. he's going, oh yeah. Well, I tell you something else. You fucking whatever, you know. Yeah. And um, David Thewlis and naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah, except uh, except not mad. Except not, yeah. you know, you know, intense. Uh, I'm sure Jesus was quite. Yeah. In- I mean, I, you know, you don't want to get caught. You wouldn't want to get cornered by him at a party, but. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he wasn't mad, was he? But I mean, no, the whole. He says makes perfect but, sense. Daw, but, but Dawkins got me into. I mean, I, I loved all that early Dawkins stuff, all mm. the evolutionary stuff. But he called his books things like River Out of Eden and, and so on. He couldn't leave it alone. He had to pick at it. And he de- kind of dared me, really. He dared me to believe in God because he said, if you believe in evolution, evolutionary biology, you cannot possibly believe in God. Mm. Oh, really? Um, and he said, and he was going through the two, he was going through the, okay, look, I know he probably won't make it to the podcast because he's just me going off on one, but. This will absolutely make it to the podcast. Why? <laughs> readers, it didn't. There are two set rules for life. Um, the idea is that a living organism's drive is to preserve and pass on its DNA. There are two, I mean, there are two rules. One is that all the molecules in section A have to agree that there's a common mission. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, they're all off doing different things. So I have to understand that they're, that they're all in it together and they're, and they're doing the same thing. And the all in it together is the second rule, that they have to get on with their neighbours. So the molecules have to cooperate and the molecules mm-hmm. have to know what they're doing. That's exactly the same as saying, you know, there is a God and love thy neighbour as thyself, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, fuck you, Dawkins. <laughs> Fuck you, Dawkins, because my grandchild who has Down syndrome wouldn't be here if you had a fucking say. If you discover a child, your a child in the womb with Down syndrome, it is your duty to terminate it. You said, Jesus because Christ. of the burden on society. Well, fuck you, because um, God has other ideas. I think. Yeah, that's some. My God, anyway. Yeah, well, that's some fucking. Uh, Jesus, that's a disgusting moment in the Dawkins <laughs> canon. I hate him. I mean, I, I don't. Mind, I like him when he's funny. That's, yeah. a, that's the thing. It's like artists. I like, I like Tracy Emin. She was good when she was funny, and then she, when she stopped being funny, she was boring. So did Damien Hirst <clears throat> and all the rest of them. Yes, yeah, so and he was funny, and then he wasn't. Money seems to be a really good way of losing your sense of humour. Mm. Right. Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> oh. um, Well, should I just read you the note I wrote to you? Because, I mean, it might be actually... It comes right after. On the other hand, I think God quite likes his being alive. Dawkins, you cunt. So (laughs) what did I say? I said, Uh, we are all here by magic, some weird one in a million shot that overrules the default state of the universe. Nothing. That's the the thing I was talking about earlier, that the default state of of this is nothing. It's the Mm. absence of something. It's nothingness. Uh, I could talk about cancer and apoptosis. Now, apoptosis is interesting. It's the, it's the, it's the um, apoptosis is what happens in autumn when leaves have got, gone brown and they clearly they've they've done their job. They've sucked in the fucking sunshine and water, whatever it is. They've done they've done their job. Now it's time to die. Everything has a time to die, and I think that's the thing about cancer, which is so. Uh, so arresting in a way it's not a disease it's a kind of script error the thing that we I was talking about earlier about the the, the clumps of matter the molecules the tiny atoms the whatever the fuck it is it, they have to know what they're doing and at some point they have to die mm. but the question these cells are asking their little regional fat controller mm-hmm. all the time the question is can I die now can I die now can I die now? And at some point, the fat controller says, yes, you can die now. And it dies. Mm. But if something happens to the fat controller, if the fat controller loses its mind, starts right. scraping food into the sideboard, <laughs> then all the, the cells say, can I die yet? Can I die yet? And they don't get any response. Mm. So they multiply and there's your cancer. So it's a, it's a, it's a, wrong, it's a wrong application of... of, of, of of imprinting, of insisting on somethingness mm. rather than nothingness. Um, that's what I've just said. Well, I've just said it. Yeah. It's I mean, a script error. It, yeah, I've said that. It's like Euston, uh, trains outside Euston, and there's a signal failure at Watford Junction. It's that, it all just piles up. It's cancer of trains. Yeah. I mean, that's that's absolutely beautiful. And I, and I, uh, I, I wish I had something profound to end on. I love that you've brought in... Fat controllers and, yeah. and the the absolute the, the joy and the pylon of all the different references and the. Uh, but I think this yeah. is it. In the end, in the end, in the end, you life is a defiance of nothing of nothingness. It's I mean it's a, it's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Yeah. And comedy is comedy is 
it, it is the great joy for me of that yeah. defiance. You're saying, you know, I'm going to die. We're going to we're going to bust out of Europe with no deal. Um, the King of Israel is going to start a holy war in the, in the Middle East. The world's going, uh, world's ablaze. The Arctic Circle is ablaze. We're losing the rainforest. Everything's shit. Everything's fucked. And somehow writing allows you to say, "I defy that. I'm going to make a stupid joke." And <laughs> I think, well, I, I mean, I may it may be because I'm getting old, and old men are allowed to do this kind of thing. But I think we'll be all right in the end. I, I trust us to be all right because I think in the end, in the end, most of us are mostly lovely, and I think love will save us, and I think we'll be fine. I love us too much. I love us too. I love us and life and. All this and comedy and and stupid fucking about too much not to believe that it'll save not comedy won't save us but but comedy will cheer us up but we'll be fine but I think we'll be fine. Ian Martin, thank you very much. You're like. more than welcome. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm crying. You Don't fucking idiot! Yeah, I'm a fucking idiot. Oh. thank you, Ian Martin. Can I turn my headphones off now? Yeah, of course you really? can. I'll turn this off. Mm-hmm. 